Greetings, and welcome to another episode of Stamper Cinema. As always, I am your host. My name is Andrew. Thank you very much for downloading this latest episode and continuing along with our fun October horror film discussion extravaganza. We've got something really, really fun in store for you. Like when the guests that we've got today, and it's Brad, you know Brad. Say hello, Brad. Hello, everybody. When Brad brought this movie up, I was like, all right, I thoroughly enjoy this movie. And part of the reason why we're talking about it is due to the recent passing of David Warner. And, um, you know, we we both enjoy this movie, but I was trying to figure out an opportunity. What do I really want to say about this movie? Because this is a movie that came out in the 70s in the height of all that kind of like cosmic horror and uh, religious horror films that were going on. And... And this movie has its place, but I wasn't sure where to go. But upon like doing digging and digging and really kind of like uncovering certain elements, I realized, holy shit, this movie's aged really freaking well. I know it's a movie that was done in the 70s, but I think, and this movie was a big movie in the 70s. And I know that it's often kind of forgotten in many, uh, many respects, but I think there's a lot to unpack with this movie that that still holds a lot of significance so i'm excited to have this conversation and i'm excited to have brad who uh you know from from the lord of the rings episodes that we've had and uh we also did the tingler and do we do we, we talked a little scream do we do anything yeah. else uh maybe i don't know back by popular demand i know the fans have been clamoring for it and here i am <laughs> i think hashtag bring back brad was trending for a while it was but, it was it was yeah, trending but, it was trending but, but so here. here we go let's talk a little let's talk a little of the omen brad hello i see you're drinking a giant energy drink are you are you ready to rock or uh do you need oh, a little i'm ready yeah now it, it's uh it, it, it might have some alcohol in it but we're ready <laughs> <laughs> i love it so obviously at the outset i mentioned we're talking about this movie a lot of it has to do with david warner's you know recent passing um and he's fantastic in this movie when you think about his work what do you what do you go back to do you go back to this film do you go back to what well i mean I initially did suggest waxwork. I, I am I am partial. This cheesy oh, shit, as it, it was is, waxwork first. I am Fuck. kind of partial to waxwork, but this one and waxwork. I mean, I guess the Titanic too. I mean, we'll throw in Titanic. That's where a lot of people know him from. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people that aren't, you know, but he's got a huge amount of credits. So yes, uh, but but yeah, I mean, but this and waxwork are probably two horror movies that I love that I remember him from most. Yeah. Yeah, I have to click on his credits, and I'm sure I would remember a bunch more off the top of my head. But I don't remember them off the top of my head. I mean, right? I have a hard time um, differing him from himself. Oh, Gorgon. Yeah, I mean, he's Star Trek. Transfer Gorgon. Star Trek Six, one of my favorites. But anyway, oh yeah, well yeah. Continue. <laughs> there's, there's this other actor that reminds me of David Warner. His name is, I believe, John Wood. And he was it was an actor that was in the movie War Games and a couple other movies. They kind of like a similar look. They're both like English. They're both kind of tall. Mm-hmm. They both have that kind of like face. Um, but yeah, R.I.P. So a little like special moment yeah. to to that actor uh, who had again a ton of credits. And I think yeah, David Warner. 
I think David Warner was also in My Best Friend's a Vampire. It was either that or John Wood. Again, I get them mistaken all the time. He has but, 283 credits on IMDb, shit. which is an awful lot. Most recently, 2020, Teen Titans Go. If you remember him from that, well, I'm sorry if that's all you remember him from. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, just, I'm sure Teen Titans Go is fantastic. I'm sure it is. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about The Omen, the 1976 yes. Richard Donner film written by uh, David Seltzer. And I think that's right. David Seltzer and produced by Harvey Bernard. And really like. At the end of the day, Harvey Bernard is the reason why this movie even exists. He was having a conversation with a buddy of his. They were talking about the Bible and. And uh, essentially, they're like, holy shit, maybe we can make a movie about this. And so they hired a writer and boom, fast forward a few years later, the movie becomes it's not Mm. unlike yours and my inception for the greatest film that's never been made. We we, we talked about something. The only thing missing producer with lots of money yeah exactly when you say that the movie only needed about three million dollars so if we can just round up three million but only half of this movie's budget went to production the rest went to marketing that's true that's so true. i mean all we have to do is not market it and we'll be fine just well, I mean, let, shit, that's what youtube's for yeah anyway. just let people discover it you have a huge following on your channel yes people will discover it yes <laughs> We've got it. It's it's in the back. It's in the back. Anyways, yeah, I, I was I was surprised to read that so much marketing money went into a movie from this long ago, mm-hmm. um, and you know this this has that you know poltergeist ish like curse thing to it. But the thing is, is most of the curse stories are not verified, nor are they you know a hundred percent yes or no if they happen. So. Mm-hmm we wonder like how much of that is a marketing ploy as well. In addition to all big marketing budget they spent, like there's no confirmation that the planes were hit by lightning that were carrying them to London Mm -hmm. and, you know, et cetera. Look it up. If you, if you don't know what we're talking about, there's, there's plenty of uh, stories about people being cursed or attached. There's an entire documentary show uh, about cursed films. And I think there might be an episode about the omen. I did see that. I forgot about that. It's a, it's a, it's we'll a really, really good that before this. Yeah. Well, shit. If we really were preparing ourselves for that, we could have watched that in, in preparation. But whatever. Fuck it. We're we're doing this live. I see. But, it. Um, I just it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. Uh, what else do you need to know? Gregory Peck is the star. We've already mentioned David Warner, and then obviously uh, Lee Remick, who plays the wife, and a myriad of other people that are in this movie. Many of which you won't know. Um. Yeah, I, I could. You would know more than me who went on to be great from here, besides the top four or three. I guess I don't even know if the kid went on to do anything. I think the kid has a cameo in the remake. I think. I think you're right. I think yeah. you're right. <laughs> but, um, the big names in this, and by big names, Gregory Peck as obviously our star, uh, David Warner, who's not even really a big name. He's just an actor that's been a, that was around for fucking was 50 years. Was he a big years. name at the time of this? Did, well, I, don't I don't know. know. I mean, he at this at the time of this, he had hundreds of credits, but I think he was just like a character actor. So yeah, I mean, that's were, what he's known for. Yeah, yeah. If you're like an asshole like me that just watches everything, be like, hey, there's that guy. I recognize him. Yeah, I recognize but, that guy. He's in stuff. Yeah. 
And I mean, Richard Donner is a household name now, but this was kind of like his like his film breakthrough. This preceded right. Superman. This preceded the Goonies, obviously, and Lethal Weapon and everything else that he did. But this was his big movie. Lady and Hawk. Again, it wasn't even a big film when it comes to like budget and everything. It just became right. a big film upon release. Where this yeah, was, I mean, there isn't a lot of fancy effects or anything. I mean, it's a very slow burn. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a couple hours long, about right about two hours long. Very slow burn. I mean, if I guess if you've never seen it, the I don't know the closest thing I could compare it to maybe would be picture Final Destination in slow motion. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I could definitely see some Final Destination influence in this. Yeah, uh, I mean, without the religion satanic part, of course, but. Yeah, this movie. So this movie came out in the 70s and all of these films, I'm going to whether or not it's the first film of of the air. It's certainly the film that I think that a lot of these movies kind of go back to. It's Rosemary's Baby, which came out in the late 60s. Yeah, um, I think that was first. I think it was. I, there yeah. may have been a film that was like independent that has been completely forgotten. The filmmakers like, fuck Rosemary's Baby. We were here first. I mean, it yeah. might happen. I'm, but, I'm sure, yeah. But that whole theological like horror, right? You know, this whole like cosmic horror, Rosemary's Baby. And then like just a few years later, you have The Exorcist. And The Exorcist is what changed everything. Like The Exorcist, people are like, oh, shit. We can like we can literally. Oh, there we go. We've got like a little cat butthole right in front of my head. What's up, cat? Porch is back. <laughs> those of you um, that have tuned into our stream lounges will recognize Porch. She yes, does it with yes. while recording. Uh, <laughs> and um, but yeah, like so, Rosemary's Baby. Rosemary's Baby obviously came first, but the movie that like kind of like broke the mold really was The Shining. In that people were terrified, and the whole idea of like a cursed film that that kind of became like a lexicon. Like, oh my god. And we started to see filmmakers do things a little bit differently. And sure, of course, Roman Polanski, what he did, Rosemary's Baby, yada, yada, yada. Um, this movie came on kind of like the the shadows of that. And when this movie came out, I don't even know if I were like, I'm, I might be going all over the place, but this movie was huge from an audience perspective. Critically, it was a little all over the place. Some critics it loved was. it. A lot I think of critics it was hated fifth it. grossing of the year. Pardon me? I think it was fifth grossing of the year, but I mm. don't have the list of all of them. But I did see that. So, I mean, it, it did well. I mean, it did really well. Time. Yeah. It did so well that because of the success of this film, the 20th Century Fox allegedly had enough movie, uh, had enough money to finance Star Wars. Right. A lot of people and, don't know that. But the connection between the Omen and Star Wars is very, very much linked because it was a 20th, uh, 20th century Fox movie. Other right. studios didn't even want Which to touch because it. Because Warner Brothers rejected it yep. because it was just taboo at that time. And it, this was even before, you know, the 80s got even worse with the Satanic Panic stuff. Yep. But, you know, this was this was the start of it. And, yeah, it's. And people ate that shit up and the movie did well. And again. The due to the, the the overwhelming success of this movie, we we launched a brand new franchise and one of the if not the one of the top three biggest film franchises in cinematic history. So, mm-hmm. George Lucas, you're fucking welcome. Yeah. You, owe, you, you owe your entire career to a 
a movie about the coming of the apocalypse. So cheers to that. Yeah. Yeah. Now that we've had that fun little intro, shall we say what the movie is about? Do you, do you want me to tackle it? I mean, I basically am going to like rip off like IMDB or Wikipedia. Yeah, I mean, usually you put me on the spot, but at this time, I don't think it'd be fun if I put you on the spot. So sure. Okay. You so basically it. this movie is about an American diplomat that's living over in Rome. It's him and his wife and she has, she gives birth to a baby and the baby dies and it's really, really sad. And the hospital chaplain basically persuades the father to secretly adopt this baby that's already there, whose mother died. Um, you know, she died during childbirth. Nobody will be none the wiser. It'll be like their own little no secret. Family. Yeah. None at all. Yeah. Like nobody will know. Everything's fine. Yeah, yada, yada. No family that'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so reluctantly, he's like, sure, fuck it, whatever. You know, this is this is probably the best outcome. Nobody will know. They look at a kid. It's a cute little baby. And like, all right, fine, we'll do it. They named the kid Damien. And that's probably the happiest thing that happens in this movie. Because everything else, subsequently, things go bad. Because we find out this yes. kid is the spawn of Satan. And, um, yeah, the movie is really just about the end of the world in, uh, like, Book of Revolution style. We don't have, like, any four horsemen that that take place but this is the coming of the apocalypse and very very little very very little happiness ensues as a result i I guess he gets his promotion and they move to london and then (laughs) he he gets a promotion (laughs) so let me tell you from the start right now what wife could possibly we pull this over on your wife wouldn't have fell for this my wife wouldn't have fell there's no way they would know they would know. Yeah. <laughs> so that, yeah. At least with Rosemary's baby, that's a different story. But Rosemary's baby is, you know, she knows it's her kid the whole time. And it's a you know a different play. This, like the wife was like in a, I guess like in a coma, passed out, you know, from whatever happened during the birth. I don't know if it was just anesthesia or whatever. But the first time she sees a baby is when he brings it in and says, Hey, here's our baby. I don't know. I just red flags, red flags from the start. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't start suspecting stuff quite yet, but yeah, I mean, I mean, not until the nanny, like, uh, Damien, this this is all for you. Yeah. The nanny part, you know, kind of starts at, what was that like the first birthday or maybe second or I'm not sure. I don't know how much time passed. I know he's around five at the end of the movie, but they fast forward a little bit there from. Yeah. But I think the actor, I think the actor was maybe four maybe which is terrifying to me because that's how old my daughter is and uh i mean granted you know on her worst day she's pretty fucking terrifying i'm not gonna say she isn't but i also and I read that he was terrifying on set too trying to oh, yeah. control that kid on set was was not easy yeah <laughs> but uh well yeah i mean he he definitely i know they dyed his hair black um <laughs> to make it look a little more evil, but he definitely looks the part. They do Mm -hmm. a great job framing his look and his smiles and stuff to make him look like an evil kid. Right. And legend has it. Part of the reason why the kid was cast is Richard Donner, the director had asked kids to like charge at him. And Mm. when the actor that played Damien did it, 
it, it was fucking scary to even Richard Donner, the way that he attacked him and everything. He's like, all right, that's it. Right. <laughs> that's the kid, like, yeah. If that's how you cast child actor, I need to be doing something with my kid because she's not hesitant. She will like <laughs> barrel at you. Like well, you all know, they 33 originally, pounds of her, but she'll come right at you. Hey, they originally had a had a female in mind to mm. play Damien. So, I mean, there, there's there's an opportunity. There there isn't an Omen remake gender swap. So. <laughs> it exists. And also, you talk about dying hair, and um, this is something that is very very close to me as uh, as a guy that's blonde. Granted, you know, darker blonde these days, but still blonde that Hollywood has this thing with blonde kids and specifically how blonde kids, what, you know, that they're evil, whether it's like village of the damned or the bad seed or anything that I don't know. Um, good son. Pardon me. I said the good son. Is he blonde? Well, you should, even the good son. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, there or anything Kiefer Sutherland did in the 1980s, yeah. you know, like uh, oh, yeah, if, you're, yeah. if you're a blonde kid, you're pretty fucking evil. And the, the original version of this, the kid was blonde. But mm. fortunately, for my own sanity, they, they changed it black because I, I think I would it's have like a whole thesis that would be all about just like how Hollywood hates blonde kids. Um, and they do. And they do. They do hate blonde kids. But um, maybe there's another conversation uh, for the reasons. <laughs> but I don't know. We'll, maybe we'll, we'll delve into that. Next episode, another blonde kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Next episode, hashtag blonde kids. Um, so they did that. And I don't even think the original name was Damien. I think it was like, no, I don't know. Well, it was funny. It was, no, he straight up, Richard Donner straight up said, I'm going to name this kid after my friend who has this annoying ass kid. And his wife's like, <laughs> no, 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 you can't do that. <laughs> be like me making a movie about an annoying kid and naming it after your daughter. Yeah, exactly. Like, no relation. Don't worry about it. I know it's all, it's all cool. No, don't even sweat it. Nobody, they'll never know. Nobody will ever see this movie. But yeah, but it was a, it was a really strange name that would have been obviously connected instantly because it's, it also started with a D. I don't remember what it was, but it's definitely not a name I've ever heard it was like, before. It was like Doblin or or something yeah. like Doblin. that. <laughs> I'm not even Doblin. kidding. Yeah. It was something yeah, like it's, that. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it is. It is something strange. It, something that would have been Doblin. It's Doblin. Doblin. Yeah, D O M L I N. Doblin. I just pulled that from my miscellaneous facts section that that I had written down. Yeah, Doblin. Holy Damien shit! Sounds way more uh, demonic. So the, the good job. You know, they with, did a good with, job. And you know what's funny? That name and... What's crazy is I don't know any kid named Damien these days. I know some kids that have like names of Damon or a middle name Damon, but ain't nobody want to name their I kid Damien. I do know someone named Damien. Uh, my wife has an ex named Damien that's about our age, but that's the only guy I've ever met with that name. His parents are fucked up for naming him that. Yeah. <laughs> The just, like of Satan. just like Malachi. After Malachi. The corner, there's no Malachi's out there. No. It's, just, it's like, do you want your kid to instantly be evil? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and speaking of evil, obviously, you know, at the outset, I mentioned a couple themes that they talk about. You know, we, we talk about the apocalypse. We talk about supernatural horror or cosmic horror as a right right something that is kind of like coined by like lovecraft even though there yeah, are like, like some cthulhu references in this even yeah 
that like I had to look up like what was actually in the Bible and what was it for that poem and that passage and stuff. And uh, yeah, they add some stuff into this that is definitely, you know, reminiscent of Cthulhu. And am I correct? Did like the writer just like make this shit up that that there that like a lot of this stuff isn't even in the Bible that this is Actually, just I stuff. Think the actor made that poem up. Mm. I don't even know if the writer did. I think it was the actor, but I think part of it is biblical. But don't quiz me on biblical stuff. Right. Well, well actually, that's, that's, that's funny. Happen. That's funny that you mentioned that because I was going to ask you, like, hey, out of curiosity, like, what do you know of? Because in in its essence, this is very, very like Book of Revelations, right? Like right, the beginning yeah. of Book mm-hmm. of Revelations. I was going to say, do you know anything about that? Because I sure as shit don't, other than what I've seen in films and then in casual like googling yeah (laughs) unfortunately most of what i know is also in films and songs and you know just things that highlight bits and pieces of it novels i know of course of the four horsemen and stuff but in this one they like they do the rising from the sea and amassing the armies on both shores Mm -hmm. um and i i think the amassing the army on both shores thing is in the bible uh, but the rising from the depths of the sea, and I don't think it is. I, I know there's a few things that they added in and took some liberties from. But I know a lot of people, when they seen the movie, were like us, and they just took it as fact. And they're like, oh, right. crap, this mm-hmm. stuff is in the Bible. You got to love good writing, you know, just writing yeah. in general, just like what people... I mean, Plus the soundtrack and I mean everything about this movie oh, is just we're gonna get into Jerry Goldsmith's score, yeah, uh, score here shortly. But that to me is like the like the, whether it's the entree or the dessert, like that that's really like the my favorite element of this whole movie is that fucking is that fucking score. But for if you're listening and you hear us talking about Book of Revelations, it's it's one of like the the final books of like the New Testament, and it's kind of like this is my like my my cliff notes version it's like the end of days um i don't even know who tells the story but essentially bad things happen there's like four horsemen of the apocalypse i think they represent like war and famine war, and plague. famine and death yeah like you know and like not like catastrophes right um and then basically jesus comes down with an army of angels and they fight off the forces of evil and create a new world all the while, like everything else that's on earth, are all dead. Sky he- turns blood red, and the stars fall from heaven, and uh, you know all kinds of stuff like that. Goes yeah. On. So, yeah, yeah. Any movie that ever references it, they do a they they do a far more interesting version than I think probably anything in the New Testament. So when yeah, they talk I about, I apologize this movie- to any religious people out there that are screaming at their their podcasting device and turning us off. But you know what. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's actually something I want to uh, maybe pause on because here's the thing. Um, listen, if you are religious, great. Wonderful. I'm, I'm proud. You oh, know, yeah, I'm, you, I'm fine. My wife is super religious as well. And uh, yeah, wonderful. I'm happy for you. It, it's great. I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah. But you know what? I also, I, I don't think that, if there is a like a, a supreme being, I don't think he's going to punish those of us that haven't done enough of our fucking homework uh, that know every every passage. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But 
that's great for those that 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 study this one and, movie reference you're done yeah Go yeah hell. yeah that's it no that forget it you know <laughs> you're, you're toast you you, you don't I, know about you don't know what like old testament which kid unto which kid to which un like fuck it whatever you know you enjoy it great i'm happy for you that's that's a lovely i i think that yeah. i think it's and great wh- whether you like it or not or whether you want to edit this or not religion can exist because of the fear of the devil and movies like this because of the fear of hell and the devil are what that's what made these popular you know mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that's you know that I mean that's what makes religion work if the, if there wasn't a anti side of it of something to fear there wouldn't be anything to worship so and you know that's why there was a rash of these movies and there there still is um occasionally there certainly but, still is the mm-hmm. 70 like again rosemary's baby i think was that that, that tipping point where mm-hmm. boom we now had filmmakers that were taking a little bit more accountability and responsibility for what they were doing Rosemary's and like, baby i want to did a real good job of we don't know what it's about though. Mm. It's not really supernatural. It's not really, it could just be, she's going crazy from having a baby. It could be that it's actually all true. I mean, there's, there's a lot of elements of Rosemary baby because it's, it's not really supernatural. It's, they tried really good to make it realistic and mm-hmm. you don't know exactly what's happening. I mean, it's, I I've seen portrayals of that. Like, oh, it could be very feminist. It could be super conservative. No, it's very liberal. No, it's anti-abortion. No, it's pro-modern family. I mean, it's, yeah. But we're not talking about that today. But yeah, that's Polanski. It's brilliant. It's got some really neat scenes. I love how it's filmed. Yep. But, uh... And then just a couple short years later, the world was completely turned upside down with The Exorcist. and And The Exorcist is fantastic. And, uh... An amazing movie that I understandably like lots of people left the theater like like I'm going to church now. <laughs> like we're going right. to church tomorrow morning. What yeah. was that? <laughs> you know. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean from you know, from the tones and her attitude and the, the lines and the, the subliminal faces and everything about that movie is just, you know, creepy mm-hmm. as hell. It set up all kinds of good stuff. Tons of good stuff. Tons of good stuff. And yeah, I mean, it, it works. And we'll, what William Friedkin did with it, you know, fantastic. And then just a couple of years later, you've got this movie and a slew of other films that were kind of deemed as like copycats, which I think is a little unfair. In some cases, it's true. But other cases, there were people that like, all right, let's really start to explore, you know, theology. Let's explore religion. You know, we now have the medium where we're allowed a little bit more license because the 70s, which arguably is the greatest decade of filmmaking ever. That was like the, the decade of like the great tours, right? You had your, um, you know, your Martin Scorsese's, you had, well, Richard Donner, you know, obviously did this. You had Roman Polanski and um, a myriad Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, just a myriad of other Steven Spielberg, you know, like broke the mold with Hollywood blockbusters with Jaws. And you had filmmakers pushing the envelope and you had studio executives allowing filmmakers to have more autonomy, which in the, you know, the 60s, 50s, 40s and before. It's very much you follow this formula. You follow the formula. There were very, very few filmmakers that 
that did their own work, you know, obviously like Alfred Hitchcock, but he was still pigeonholed because of these film codes. You couldn't have people in bed together, which is why Psycho was Psycho, so yeah. fucking crazy is you had a girl wearing a brassiere and mm. there are so many other things about Psycho. She was nude when she was murdered in the shower and like all of that was so taboo. And it's so strange how much the world has changed mm-hmm. to go from taboo psycho. Cause I showed your shoulders to number one song is WAP or whatever. You know, it's crazy. Right. right. <laughs> it's strange. true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah. But this movie, and I haven't even, we haven't really gotten into like, what are your favorite scenes? But again, mm. part of the reason why I was really excited when, we we landed on this movie is there is a lot to unpack even if we're not necessarily talking about the movie beat by beat but the era and the big picture of what mm. what this movie represents and the things that were discussed in this movie and how films have changed as a result of this movie and it's interesting it becomes it becomes a more even if it's not a deep dive into the into the film there's a lot to unpack and and process and then have conversations about what what the end of the world means or what it means to have a fucking shitty kid. Um, I mean, there, 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 there's some stuff in this movie that I really just don't even understand, too. But, but one thing I definitely want to get into with this movie is uh, Damien's mother, which that is, I think, unique to this film. Mm um when they when they go to the graveyard and uh, you have that cut scene where the priest is in there i know this is definitely jumping way around but that's okay you know, it's okay the cut, the cut scene of the baby's mother was jack and then they, they burst open the door and you're like okay what was that about you don't even think about it again and then to, you get closer to the end of the movie when they're in the graveyard and they're lifting off the the tombstone and there's a four-legged creature there and we you know we oh, piece together yeah. We, yeah we piece together that the baby's mother was a jackal and then we find the other next door grave and we realize his original kid did survive but they killed it supposedly mm-hmm. and yeah it's uh that scene is is creepy because that that's like when he finally realizes like you know, now I'm killing the kid, you know, like at first yeah. he was like, no, I couldn't possibly, you know, and yeah. uh, he was very against it. And then, uh, well, I mean, once you would think once, you know, David Warner gets the classic beheaded scene, then that would solidify it for him. And I guess that kind of does right there. That's like right after that. Well, even before David Warner is beheaded there, there's that bit in the hospital, like after his wife has essentially perished. Right. And he's figured it all out. He's like, I want him dead, which yeah. is a really, really sobering line because even if it's not really his son, it's his son. And he's saying, right, right. It's, you know, you raised him for five years still. So, I mean, without getting into like a deadbeat dad argument, you know, or whatever, you raise a kid, even if it's not your kid, a lot of people, you know, they're your kid, you know, still your kid, you know, right, and just, yeah. and just, especially if the kid doesn't know any different. Yeah. You know, but it, it's a really, really sobering line. Like you, on one hand, you get it. On the other hand, if you really want to unpack it, 
there might be an element of what's the word I'm looking for. Um, what is the fucking not Hamlet? I guess it's kind of like Hamlet, which is uh, still like kind of like Oedipus, but it's not like fucking, you know, like fucking your mother. It's kind of like Hamlet in the sense <laughs> of, you know, like basically I'm going to kill my dad. Uh, in this, in this reverse, it's yeah, I'm gonna kill my kid, and there, there's some like classic drama with that idea. You know that your kid and is in real evil. life with Gregory Peck even accepting this role. Right? Oh my god! Because you, yeah, because we know. I mean, like his son had just recently committed suicide. Yeah, Brad. For those that don't know, uh, go back to what you just said because there might people be like, wait, what? 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 What did you just say? Uh, Gregory Peck, the the actor that plays the star of the movie, son had recently just committed suicide, and that gave pause to them to send this script to him. And Gregory Peck at the time was kind of like, this is it, my career's over, I'm done. And this, I'm not going to say this revived his career, but this, you know, got him, he read this script, and he was like, I'm in, let's do this. And whether i mean for whatever reasons in his head that he thought that this was a you know an appropriate thing to do whatever i'm not gonna argue that or whatever but but yeah it's it's, it's shocking that he actually even agreed to do this for real yeah and right. again the that ties into like a little bit of the element of like a, a cursed mm-hmm. movie but it's, and several other famous people denied the role first you know yep. like Charlton dick van dyke can you imagine this movie with Dick Van Dyke as the I lead? would love the comic appeal <laughs> of this movie with Dick Van Dyke, but that, that is not the mood this movie needed. No, it, the somber slow burn is perfect for this. Yeah, no, for sure. And Gregory Peck yeah, is great. And if you don't like the somber slow burn movie, then you're not going to like this movie because yeah. it, it is. It, at no point does it just pick up. If you're waiting for the movie to pick up, it doesn't pick up. It is mm-hmm. slow burn till the end, and then sit there and think about it for ten minutes after it ends. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. And then you think about like, oh shit, you know. Uh, then you think about the really cool ending, and then you watch the sequel, and you realize they threw that away and changed it to something else. Which see, is I've why never I didn't seen watch it. The... Nope. I didn't watch uh, it either. I... I've never seen it, won't see it, not interested. So, so the end of this movie, you know how it's implied at the funeral that it's like, yes. you know, that's one thing I did want to talk about is the whole, the way they, the way they use revelations in the end of the world and they tie it into how the Antichrist rises from politics is fantastic. I don't know what, mm-hmm. I don't even know what was going on in 1976 to prompt that, but whatever allegory that is too. A little post Watergate. Yeah, like I guess a little post Watergate, but yeah, I mean that the 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 thing of the Antichrist rising for politics. I mean that's a story we still could write a hundred things about today for sure. You know, that's that's a mm-hmm. neat idea, and well, he's the ambassador of the U.S. to Great Britain, and yep. after he is killed in the end of the movie, spoiler alert. Not that if you're watching this, you should know by now that me and Andy don't follow anything in order. <laughs> but but yeah, so basically it implies at the end of the movie that he is Damien survived and he is now under the care of the president of the United States. Yeah. And yeah. the first lady. However, Damien Omen too threw that storyline away and just said it's an uncle. I don't know. I never watched it. I just I read that part and that was enough to be like, ah, oh, you ruined it. Like 
so many cool places you could have went and you just threw that part away, you know? So there, there's definitely a conversation to ha- be had about, you know, just uh, politics and the idea of corruption. Cause even if you, if you take it in the literal sense of the spawn of Satan, who's now, you know, who's being raised by the president, you can, you can talk about that, but you could even just look at how, absolute power corrupts absolutely right i mean you can you can still break it down in even like a small bit of that you you can still be a product of who you're raised by and if you were influenced by those that have absolute power then you know what it will corrupt you and and you know not to get political but you can look at no further than our own our no our own political ecosystem as far as people within generation after generation that that are bred into politics or shit now even if it's not politics but you can even look at like the monarchy you can look at now you know uh there's a brand new king over in england and after him there's a kid and you look at the the king's grandson who's gonna be king one day and this kid's fucking like seven years old or some shit right so you can you can just see how people are just like indoctrinated into if the parliament lets it go on that long pardon me i said if the parliament lets it go on that long Fair enough. I mean, it's just a symbology at this point, but I mean, it's been symbology. But, but what is our president then? Because Congress makes most of the decisions too for us. But you know, in, in a perfect world, shit, yeah. Um, mm. I don't even know if that's even perfect. I mean, democracy, like, yeah. Now we're getting into this. Now we're getting really fucking heady as far as like the the state of democracy in the twenty first century. Um, but that's that's an entirely different conversation. Let's just keep it with yeah, the we simple don't, we, things. We don't need to talk about. Let's that. just keep it simple with the end of fucking life. You know I what live I mean? In Ohio. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh my god! You can't go in the interstate. If you lived in, if you stayed in the sun for a week straight with no sunscreen, you wouldn't be more red. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite thing. Well, no, let me rephrase it. It's not my favorite thing, but one thing that I know of. Like driving through Ohio when I would leave, by the way, you know, I'd be leaving like Georgia headed to Pittsburgh. And sometimes I would take I would go like the more uh, Virginia, West Virginia up through Pennsylvania. But sometimes I wanted to avoid West Virginia entirely. Like three so hours away. Come visit. Yeah. So sometimes I would go the like the Tennessee, Kentucky, Ohio route. And what I noticed, anytime I would ever drive through Ohio, it'd be like every 15 minutes, just some like God billboard. Like you guys are very, very everywhere, everywhere, every, I mean, you cannot go on any highway without God is real. You know, a person is a person, no matter how small, you know, you know, abortion is the devil, you know, (laughs) I mean, there, I mean, I live in a town of a few thousand and I can think of five or six, you know, abortion billboards just in my little town. Wow. So they are regardless of how you feel. We're not talking about that, but you live in Ohio. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 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 All right. We've been chatting for 35, 40 minutes, whatever it is. I want to talk about this fucking score. This, like, Jerry Goldsmith, like, iconic soundtrack. Because 
this this music is haunting and what i love about it is the fact that by the way i love jerry goldsmith as a composer you know he's done a lot of like my favorite favorite stuff right uh if you're listening you're like well who the fuck is jerry goldsmith he's a film composer he did poltergeist he did chinatown he did Patton. he did planet of the apes um if you're a kid he did mulan um la confidential and myriad and myriad myriad of other stuff but the big ones are like like Patton because Patton was like one of the biggest movies that was ever ever recorded and he did a bunch of other stuff but he had been nominated for a bunch of like Oscars in his career and was always overlooked and he got nominated for this piece and I think the record like the the history lesson goes that he wasn't even going to show up for for the Oscars for this one but this movie, which is all about the devil and the end of the world, this is the this this is the the film score that Jerry Gold. This is. Hey, we're back. Hold on, I'm back now. No, no, no. I, I know. know I was just going on the rant and figured out. we would just catch up. Yes. Right, and folks, I'm sorry you missed it, but what I just said was the most brilliant thing I've ever said in my life. <laughs> and it's gone now. Well, I was on a good, Continue. good little tangent on Jerry Goldsmith and the and, and the film score. Um, right, and what I what I was what I was leading to as a by the I way, I'm going to keep was, all of this because I was on something, and then you just interjected us uh, like my little thing to say that uh, what I was saying is all gone. So what I was saying is all gone. So this is just really, really good. And I am keeping this. This is just going to be really fun, like a little, like, outtake. No, I, I want to know what you were saying, too. Well, you can I, listen saying, to it. W- You'll be able to listen to it. Yeah, I, I was saying that I think this, uh, this, this, the main song for this movie, the Avai Satani, the Hail Satan song. Hail Satan. Is that, like, that, like, yeah, Hail Satan. That has, like, become, like, the iconic evil-type song. I don't know if that existed before this movie. It did. I, I don't I mean, know if it did either, but it's been parodied. And I, I know it, it's, it's been utilized in like South Park and exactly, everything. Yeah. Everybody uses the Hail Satan thing because of this. And it's a Jerry Goldsmith piece. And when you look at the, the music that he's created, that, that he created rather before his passing anyway, like his career – he was already well established long before this film, but this is the movie. This is the one that got him an Oscar, and uh, this this piece is iconic. And I've been trying to think, what are the the scariest pieces of music? It doesn't necessarily. What is the best theme? But like when you think of like bone chilling film scores, what are like the scariest film scores that you can think of? Can you think of anything? Well, I mean, I mean, this would definitely be in my top at least ten, mm-hmm. if not five. And it's in everybody's um, top ten. It's in when you when they do these top I mean, ten, it's always in there. I mean, I love Halloween. Mm-hmm. I love John yep. Carpenter's Halloween. That's uh, creepy as hell. Um, uh, two Blair Bells. Oh, the Exorcist. the Exorcist. Yeah. What do you think about um, Jaws? Dun-dun. Jaws. Jaws is yeah, an iconic. You know, creepy. Yeah um psycho a lot of a lot of strings yeah, obviously, with that. yeah yes 
Um, yes, I also, I like, I, I was trying to like come up with like my scariest themes, and we've railed off. It's not Friday the Thirteenth. Friday the Thirteenth is actually really good. It's good, but I don't think it's no. as creepy as no, the no, no. Yeah. Um, I one that I think is extremely overrated. It's very, very creepy, but. Where these other pieces, one thing that they all have in common is there's like a good like rhythmic build to it. There is something that is consistent. The one that we didn't mention, but I think might be the scariest ever is The Shining because it, it it's just yeah. so eerie and unpredictable and it's all over the place. Um, Which, can you go back and rewatch Stream Lounge or is it gone if it's live after it's live? No, no, you can go back and watch. Yeah. Okay. So we we were we were together doing Shining not long. Yeah, ago. we were. We yeah. Yeah. So if you're listening, yeah. go back and watch uh, yeah. our episode of uh, The Shining on there. I actually might do that again, um, because that that score that I mean obviously you have that bong bong, but like even like the high pitched noises that are all over, it's mm. extremely unsettling. And this score is very unsettling as well. It is. It's uh. It, it's. I mean. It's. I mean, this this might be one of my creepiest. I mean, this is probably top two or three for me. For sure. I, mean, I, I mean, and also, I mean, trivia point, the only best winning Oscar song to be sung in Latin. Ooh. I don't know what the actual Ooh. words are. Brad dropping <laughs> fucking knowledge right there. I didn't know that. I, yeah, it's the only Oscar winning song in Latin. And I don't know what the words of the song are. I just know they're creepy as hell. Right. Yeah, for all I know, they're singing about, you know, kittens and rainbows. <laughs> I don't know. But Latin's just one of those languages that sounds creepy, like German. Yeah. Yeah. You ever seen that? There's a tool song in German that is like dark and creepy with. Like oh, but this, it's just like a, it's just like a cake recipe or something. It's right? a chocolate cookie. Recipe, but it's like the evilest sounding song mm-hmm. in music. But yeah. Und so, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, like I don't yeah. even know what that I means. I don't know what the song's about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it means like add to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Latin's one of those languages like German. You know, just just can make you can just sounds evil. It just sounds and what's cool. fucked up is English is a Germanic language. You know, like on the principle, it should be mm-hmm. easier for us to understand German than it would be to understand Spanish or Italian or any of like the, the romantic Latin languages, but like we, yeah. we always like as Americans and anybody that's English speaking, whenever we talk about like, the German language, we always make it like very guttural and like angry. And that's our language, you know, like in it's in it, like in the mm. inception, I mean, it's a Germanic language. People don't like often people like forget that English is very, very close to german in many many respects and it's just you know and i don't know enough about it to break down you know root words and oh, stuff no. like that Forget I, it. I, no. yeah, I mean my son my son took german for a few years but not me i, I mean i just did a couple of years of spanish and I, that's all i got yeah <laughs> i did four years of spanish and all i can do is the alphabet and i can count and i can if you give me a sentence i can figure it out in about like four to six months I mean, that's about where and I'm at. Style la biblioteca. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, what is it? Um, Juan is muy guapo. 
<laughs> el queso es viejo y petrido. ¿Dónde está uh, el sanitario? It's like the cheese is old and moldy. Where is the bathroom? Yeah. That's a little Encino Man for you if you've never yeah. seen an Encino Man. It's been a long time. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, dude, Brad, this has been fun. I know we we want to go into maybe like a few. No, 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 no. I just okay. Like this is this is an episode that just flown by. You know, like oh yeah, yeah. And I don't think there was anything wasted in this. And we there's two things I want to talk about. Still. Fuck it, let's get into yeah. it. Two two silly things I want to talk about. First of all, R.I.P. David Warner. What we were talking about before mm-hmm. refuses to watch his iconic beheading scene in this one of the most iconic beheading scenes do you know that he kept his severed head from this movie and like on display until he got divorced and his wife won it in the divorce and she took the severed head when they got divorced it makes me wonder where do you think that severed head is today (laughs) i don't know i don't like that's morbid (laughs) I mean, on one hand, <laughs> yeah, him wanting it is morbid, but two, her wanting. Would you keep that if if someone recreated you exactly? A Hollywood makeup artist recreated you. Would you want it? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know if I want it or not. I don't. I was thinking about. But you know that. what? Like on a related, but he refused to watch the scene. Like he's like, no, I don't want to see that. I'm not watching the scene of me getting beheaded. Yeah. Can we can we can we explore that a little bit deeper and get a little like philosophical sure. and like potentially morbid? Because I think about sure. not just, you know, like taking your own head, but in the end, this is a character that saw, you know, he was a photographer, he saw an image of himself essentially dead, right? And he said, like, yeah, I'm in this now. Like, look, yeah, look what happened. So well, regardless, I was a bystander, but now I am in this with you. So. Yeah. So, like like it or not, I'm part of this. Plot, I'm part of this, know? and yeah, and it's core. He, he you essentially know that this is my undoing. This is how I die, right? And so the question that I've got is, if you knew how you are going to meet your end, like there, I guess there are a couple of scenarios that you could do. You could try to flee and run and try to avoid it. Um, you could. On the other hand, just completely embrace it and do nothing. Or you could certainly try not to put yourself in that situation. Right. As in Final Destination had proven a few times, people knew and were able to mm-hmm. cheat it. Or do you just say, all right, this is it, but I'm going to. And I think this is one of the things I love about David Warner's character. Or I don't even know that I, I keep we keep calling by his real name. I don't even remember his character's name. Jennings. Pardon me? Jennings, Jennings, but I don't know his first yeah. name. So Jennings, what I like about his character is the fact that this is somebody that knows inevitably, based on the context of everything that's going on, even if he doesn't want to die, he, he knows that there, there's this realistic scenario. But he still makes an irrational decision in that he moment. Does. He does. That leads to yeah. it. Because Gregory Peck throws the knives and says, no, I cannot kill a child and you know throws him and he's like well fuck it you won't kill my will and he runs over to gather up for some reason not just one knife but a whole yeah. knife block worth yeah. of knives because you need them all apparently and as yeah. he's gathering them all up then the uncanny sequence occurs that leads to his beheading with a pane of glass yeah yeah but but yeah i mean that's like you I mean 
he should have seen that coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I, he should have seen that coming, but also that was a, that was a lapse in judgment yeah. for him to go do that. I, I, big, big picture, big picture. The idea of knowing your fate and either fleeing acceptance or trying to go out nobly, you know, it, there, there, there's a, there's a fun character study about who am I? Like, would I go the the Brie Larson uh, approach in Final Destiny? I think it was Brie Larson that was in the original one, who basically just put herself in, like, the fucking, like, room. Like, I'm just avoiding, I'm just going to put myself in the most safe environment. Was that Brie Larson? I think it was. I don't know. Um, I don't remember. Or or just saying, screw it. Give me the uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. I know what you did last summer. What are you waiting for, huh? You know, just kind of, like, yeah. just standing there. Or apart from a lapse in judgment, the David Warner style of like, all right, I'm in it. Let, let's try to figure out how we can solve this problem. Ooh. And maybe if we're lucky, I live to tell another, another story. Right. I mean, there, there, I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm creating a, a narrative that doesn't exist, but I find no, that, it, I find no, that fascinating fine, it... about when you're faced with your own mortality, what do we do? Well, no, and that's fine because in continuation with that, it, also in the movie, we have the priest mm-hmm. and the priest who keeps trying to warn uh, Gregory Peck's character, which I don't remember his name. You know, I remember the side character's <laughs> name. Thorn? Uh, Thorn? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So we have this priest who continuously tries to warn him and warn him. Now, granted. He tries to warn him in the worst way possible because every way he tries to warn him is just in some cryptic biblical speak. Like, dude, just just tell me what the hell you're talking about. Um, But we find out after his character is impaled with the lightning rod or whatever that was on top of the church that, oh no, he was riddled with cancer and he knew he was going to die. So he was trying to what you said go out valiantly right. by doing this and that is like i don't know I, mean, I don't know even know how that fits in with the story or why they even put that part in but i mean it's just another another thing to think about yeah this this guy knew he was gonna die and he was trying as hard as to convey something whereas the david warner was like the opposite he knew he was gonna die but he was trying as hard as you know to stop whatever was gonna happen before he died but in the end, the devil wins and both of them die. Yep, exactly. And this is a movie where, again, it's a very, very bleak movie. Everybody dies. The only people that don't die is Damien in the end. And that's this is his story. And then he yeah. gets to live on yeah. with the idea of now he's under the most powerful person on earth, right? And, and being the president. And so you've got that that apocalypse and that realization that no matter what we do, things are going to end for the bad. And that was very, very, very seventies, very seventies, you know, um, because how could we stop the antichrist? Because of course, if the antichrist was here, who could possibly be powerful enough to stop them? And that was the fear they were going with. mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, obviously, there's a lot of Hollywood in it, too, because they set it up for a sequel and made it for possibility, you know, stuff like that. But and and so and you're right. You know, we look at this and we'll like sequel, sequel, sequel. And even though sequels may have existed in the 70s, 
they weren't part of the the American lexicon in the way that they are now. Right. You didn't build a movie to automatically be a franchise, exactly. just in case. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, there was a narrative that that Richard Donner and uh, Seltzer and uh, the the producer that they were really trying to say, and it tapped into Ooh. what a lot of the filmmakers were trying to do. And even if this is, movie isn't overtly political. It is political. And this movie came, mm. even though this movie came out in 76, it was written in 73, which is right around where the shit that was going on with uh, with Watergate was starting to like scratch the surface, which is why the 70s is mm. such a fascinating decade, because we were only, you know, uh, Kennedy was assassinated in 63, I believe. And so in basically 10 years, the whole idea that somebody would kill in all intents and purposes, despite your political allegiances, somebody that was relatively well-respected people, you know, like um, John mm. F. Kennedy had high approval ratings and people thought. But nobody has 100 percent approval ratings. Right. You could be, you know, the Dalai Lama, somebody else. Exactly. You're going to have assholes, you know, but this <laughs> but. was a time where everything fucking changed in. Um, I had a podcast a couple of weeks ago where we talked about uh, three days of the Condor, where the CIA and the FBI are involved with like killing people. And all of this now is like, well, duh, of course, of course, no big deal. But this was new shit to people in the 70s yeah. because this was only yeah, just mean. now starting to scratch the surface. So part of the reason I, why I also think this movie was such a huge success. Yes, obviously, Rosemary's Baby did really well with Polanski because he was a hell of a fucking filmmaker. Um, as a human being, that's a different conversation. But filmmaker, wonderful. William Friedkin. He got his karma, I, apparently, because how crazy is it with the whole Sharon Tate being pregnant story after Rosemary's Baby? But yeah, we're yeah, not talking about yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Keep going. Um, there's yeah. a whole other conversation to talk every all about that. But you look at The Exorcist and what that movie did. But the '70s was just a fucking fascinating time in this country's history. Incredible music, incredible art. And crazy, incredibly crazy fucking politics that were going on where people were realizing, oh, the cops aren't my friend. The government isn't my friend. My neighbors aren't my friend. You know, like who can um, religion isn't my friend. Like at the, it, it was a, right. a it, it was a breaking point. And artistically, we, we saw something that maybe filmmakers were starting again kind of like itch at when you had filmmakers Ooh. like alfred hitchcock or if you had filmmakers like um oh my god i can't believe i forgot um citizen kane orson wells right where you had these right, great yeah. iconic filmmakers that were like itching at it but the 70s opened up this world uh to auteurs that just wanted to say do you do you not see what is fucking going on around here and people mm. ate that shit up and yeah. part of the reason why this movie the birth of the conspiracy theory yeah 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 for sure for sure for sure <laughs> right yeah and mm. um you know it whether whether for good or for bad there's something for that which is why when we talk about this movie i think that's part of the reason why you can go back in 21st century and look at a movie that 
is coming up on its 50th fucking anniversary in just a couple of years and say, all right, well, maybe the the fashion is a little bit whatever. And maybe things, the, the pacing of the film is a little bit different. But structurally, what's going on, you're like, there's, there's not, much, there's not as much there's not as much about this movie that is you know you just write it off as so oh, that's dumb that's silly whatever i mean there's a few things like i said you know the baby thing and you know swapping the baby right. without the wife mm-hmm. knowing I mean, there's a few things but but like rosemary's baby they made a you know like a, for the time at least a believable story for sure you know, where people would like really, you know, I'm sure have debates like this even back then about could this be possible? How could this be possible? Would this ever happen? What would happen if this happened? You know, not necessarily like, you know, rooted in real life, but, you know, to create the, you know, the doubt in your head and the thoughts. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a fantastic movie for what it is. And, the last thing that I had written down is that the newspaper would never put that on the front page. No, 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 no one puts a priest who no. has been impaled by a no. giant rod on the front page of the paper. No, <laughs> never. I, I love that you brought that. So that was one of like the little nuggets that I had. I'm like, ah, I don't know about that. So I love that we call that out. Uh, what I did yeah. want to flip scripts on just on like the, the, the terror element what mm-hmm. to you is the most chilling or scariest scene of this film? And if you need a moment to think, I'm more than happy to. I've got I've got the two. Obviously, we've casually discussed the mm-hmm. this is all for you, Damien, uh, which. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, that that scene is probably the one that sticks in my head most. Um I don't know if it's, but yeah, we keep going. No, 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 because I mean, that movie opens up a whole other subculture of what are the most chilling fucking suicides ever done on camera. That might be the most disturbing suicides, I think, in the history of cinema. Another one that is, I mean, I, I think it's some like justified, I understand that. Um, I can't. I don't know. I can't think of another iconic suicide. I think a Full Metal Jacket. Um, yeah, Full Metal Jacket would be one. I just was at. Uh, I was just at, was at Mansfield Reformatory. So the Shawshank. Oh my God! But that uh, see yeah. that suicide is mm-hmm. is just sad and tragic. It, yeah, yeah, but that that's like yeah, it's like uh, it's not a shocker as much as you know. It's a you feel for Brooks, you know. your heart breaks for Brooks, right? right? In Shawshank Redemption, um, the warden, you're like, fuck it, who cares? Every you know, you're- yeah, the warden was initially, I was thinking about the warden, and I'm like, yeah, whatever, <laughs> you know, and then yeah, Brooks, but mm-hmm. um, which is cool because they have the actual Brooks was here from the movie there, and they have all the movie props, yeah. Um, I've been there a couple times, yeah. It's, I don't know about a half, I don't know where what's about an hour from my house. I, I awesome. don't know what your thoughts are on Shawshank, but I feel like. If I were ever to do Shawshank, I think you're the guy I would love to talk like Shawshank on just because I 
It's the best Stephen King story. Ooh, it's pretty close. Ooh, too. yeah, it's certainly in top five. Certainly in top five. <sighs> pretty, it's pretty close to. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, top I mean, five, and probably. But it's one of those. Well, it's one of those that if you didn't even know who Stephen King was, you would watch that and not even realize it. Was of course, Stephen King. of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's just yeah, a novella, just proves right? How versatile he is. Um, but anyways, we're, we're, <laughs> we're all over the place, and I think this is this, we always are. I mean, this is why it's perfectly on brand for our conversations. Um. Which is why we just need to have our own podcast. It's true. It's true. Now we just Andy and Brad just talk about shit. Yeah, Andy and Brad talk about so shit. Apparently. Um <laughs> that's it. That's a, that's, a, that's a good title. Um <laughs> the the other scene I want to talk about is something that they've used in films, but I don't think I answered that question. Yeah. Oh, you still haven't? Ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other one I want to talk about <laughs> was the the, the, the tricycle the, the tricycle scene of just going. Oh yeah, and I was about to like the the I mean, obviously shining vibes yep. there, and it preceded you know, and, the shining by four years. Right, and it, and it's uh, I mean, you look at it and you're like, well, Damien never killed anybody. It's supposed to be implied that the devil was doing it, not the devil's son. Uh, I mean. I mean, was it the nanny? Who is the nanny? Where is her part in this? Well, she kill, She inevitably kills the mom. I mean, is it her that does it? Because she opens the door. Is it Damien that does it? Is is who's the devil directing here right. to make this happen? Yeah, and you know. But it's such a cool scene. The editing and just what and just oh yeah, like, it, it's just so perfectly constructed. And yeah, and the way he looks at her as she's hanging on, like screaming and like. It's creepy at the same time. He's like, I understand, but I'm also a little kid and I don't understand. And yeah, you don't know what to think of him at that moment. You're like, did you do this on purpose? Did you not? Like, I don't, I don't know what's happening. Oh, he fucking did on purpose. He's fucking evil. Oh you know, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, he has that compassion look as well. Like mommy, you know, yep. uh, die mommy. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Right, yeah, and it's 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 neat. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, definitely thought provoking, definitely creepy. Um, I will stick with the suicide just because it's earliest in the movie. Yeah, this is all for you, Damien. Which is funny, as I texted my friend the other day, and I told him uh, I was watching the Omen to get ready for this podcast and he texts me back and he's like it's all for you Damien <laughs> and then he, then, he, then he responded back a minute later and he's like holy crap I'm subbing for a history class right now I just played that clip I didn't realize the external speakers were on, were on and turned up all the way and I'm subbing at a Catholic school today <laughs> oh my god that's so good that's so he's good like, it, just it just echoed down the hallway that's so awesome <laughs> So if he's listening to this, that was hilarious. Oh man, he's my new hero. I love that. I love that. <laughs> he's like, oh, it echoed down the hallway. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. All right, Brad. That's all I've got. <laughs> I want to get this one out for the listeners so they can check this out. So if they uh, if they haven't figured out what they want to watch for Halloween, they've got this uh, in their arsenal and they can check it out. Yeah, I mean, I I would assume. Uh, me assumes that this is one that anybody who likes horror movies already watched. But then again, I realize this is an old one. Mm -hmm. It you very well could have passed it up. One thing I wanted to point out one more. I, I know you want to go. I got one more thing. We've never watched the remake, right? You never watched the remake. I've seen the remake. I've never seen the sequels. Okay. I've never seen the remake. Uh, from what I understand about the remake, it's like a shot for yep. shot, mm -hmm. almost identical. Yep. 
right? So it's basically the same movie? More or less, yeah. Okay. Roger Ebert famously gave the remake three stars and only gave the original two and a half. Yeah, you put things in different why lenses. Do you, why do you think of that? I think different lenses. I think in... Is the remake worth watching for no, that reason? No, no, no. You, you never see, need to see the remake. Lee Schreiber is good in the film. Um, mm-hmm. He's the only reason to watch the remake, but... It, it, it's a fine film that it was originally a fine film. The problem that this movie has is the fact that people got exorcist fevered, right? Uh, that movie was so good. And there were so Fair. many copycats, right? This movie was in a book of the worst films of all time. Like in 78, I've, I've heard yeah, that. Yeah. This, this book came out like 78, and this was like the most recent movie. People revolted, like, not people, people loved it. Critically, people were pissed off because it was like, all right, we started with some uber fan of The Exorcist yeah. said, I don't like this cheap remake. Yeah. And, you know, and, it's, and it's, thing, that's yeah. not the, what this movie is. It's not. If you if you look at this movie, I mean, if you look at this movie as The Exorcist 2.0, you'd be like, well, it's fucking stupid. But if you look at this movie in a different lens and trying to figure out really what this movie is about, you'll give it a, little, a lot more credit. You know? Uh, okay. And because this movie is more about the end of days versus of just, you know... <sighs> I want to talk about The Exorcist and I, you know, hopefully somebody will want to talk about that because the themes that they're discussing in The Exorcist are not I'm down to do The Exorcist whenever. Cool. But... All right. I'm going to book you for The Exorcist. Right, if you, find, you can find someone else. That's fine, too. But I'm down. Yeah, I, I would love to talk about it because the themes in The Exorcist are not the same themes in this film, even though they both no. deal with religion completely different movies but people oh yeah i mean the son of satan taking over the world is not the same as a random possession exactly exactly right right, right, but people were just fucking tapped out people were tapped out and you get that Mm -hmm. you you see a movie that's really hot and then you have like these other copycats and people like fuck you i've already seen armageddon get your dante's peak fucking out of here or or whatever (laughs) right right? so did this movie start the 666 thing yes yes it did Whole, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, and the whole you know, shaving the head to secretly see that. I mean, yeah, the number I mean, of the beast and everything, yeah, that 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 comes from this yeah. and everything, right? Yeah, so, um, which is funny because like the parallel opposite to it also came out right after this is like the Oh God movie came out. Oh, the George right Burns comedy, the George Burns Oh God movie, which is all about 777, yeah. came out like a month after this, you know. Well, I thought but, that was like an 80s movie. No, I think it was like '77. Oh, wow. Like it was, it was not far after okay. this. Okay. Okay. Well, cool. But, we, but but anyways, yeah, it's it's whatever. We 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 will babble all night long, and nobody cares. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you, Mister Bleak. Um, <laughs> well, people care about what we, what the title of the episode is. Yeah. And the title of the episode is what we talk about for half of the time. Yep. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you for that sobering realization. I think that's as good of a, a segue to end this right now. Um, Fair. <laughs> Fair because if, if we just stay online, we're just going to keep talking about it's stuff. It's true. And, yeah, next thing you know, we're going to be talking about, you know, something that has nothing to do with Yeah, Listeners, as always, thank you very much for, for listening to this episode. If you've gotten this far, please hit that old subscribe button. Tell your friends, leave a review. Hop on my website, stampercinema.com. 
Uh, if you want to donate, you can donate. But more than anything, the fact that you're listening, I'm extremely appreciative. Uh, this has been a great, a great chat. I know Brad's had a good time. It's been great. My wife just called me and said she needs me. So I'm out. Close it out. All right. And uh, love you, Brad. I'll see you next we'll, time. We'll, we'll talk later. Later, buddy. All right, man. Bye. That's it. That's all we've got, as always. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you next time on another episode of Stanford Cinema.